The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to The Power of Water and the Global Water Crisis. I'm Sharon Kleina. I chose several years ago to be studying the water crisis before it became fashionable. And I need you to know that long ago when I founded Biologic Aqua Research Center here in the United States, that I knew that potentially there would be a water crisis coming on that more people would be understanding. Now, what is a crisis? Every day we're hearing there's a crisis over everything. But I will share with you what I learned that every day there is a water crisis, and this is the situation that you must learn. And I'm going to invite you to come and listen to what I will call the human mission, you and I together for an hour a week, and learn from the past. We've had some of the most extraordinary scientists, physicians, directors of water research, and and, and different individuals ahead of Watershed around the world, NASA, um, United Nations, and and uh, they, what is happening in California and all over the world. We've been talking about what is happening, but today I'm going to turn over to you a human mission for us to join together and learn to uh, Twitter, uh, do anything you can with Facebook, YouTube, uh, with your blogs, and let's join together with a glo- global excitement called the Human Mission. Now, this is where I'm coming from. Our show every week is going to be teaching you what is going on in some latest details, and the guests we'll bring on are all professionally involved in the human crisis without water and what is happening to the planet Earth. Not only human and animal crisis, but the planet is a crisis. Now, here's where I'm coming from. There are going to be in our classroom, in our laboratory, everything for you to learn to study. And you'll be studying it. Don't take just what we've got to say for granted, but we'll offer you places to go to learn. Now, an estimated 5,000 children are dying a day because of lack of clean water and no sanitation. Around the world, there are wars going on because of water. Oh, you didn't know that. You've heard of it, but it is a fact that in Kenya, the uh, animals, uh, because of the Mara River, are not getting in that. It's the largest migration of animals in the world. Is dep- the water is depleting. It is reported that it could deplete enough that it would, they would all die within a short amount of time. Now, there's a human mission. Uh, there's been reports that the schools in the United States 
that there's lead in the pipes, and we've talked for years about this, that the pipes may not be healthy enough for us because of, of age or something that has happened that we haven't kept them clean. So, therefore, the pipes are not healthy and could cause some contamination or bacteria or health issues and problems. We haven't been learning that. Let's get a human mission going on with that one. Around the world, we found that, that uh, the sanitation is not good. And when the sanitation is not healthy and people aren't washing their hands or have the ability of water to wash their hands or flush the toilet, what is happening? Bacteria and contamination and problems because people aren't even washing their hands. You know, something about the virus that has been going on, H1N1, the education was extraordinarily fabulous. Uh, we were learning wash your hands and, and be care concerned about your grocery carts and be concerned about where you touch your hands and, and keep your hands clean. And the sanitizers that were being sold, were you, they couldn't even keep them in the store, the liquid sanitizers. And then they came out and said, oh, don't over-sanitize your hands because of getting too dry hands. But I was thrilled that people were thinking more about what to do to take care, better care of themselves to probably prevent the flu. It'll be a fascination to see what the results were with the regular flu and see if people didn't get the regular flu as much. On our show, we've been talking about the global dehydration crisis that is going on because of a word called dehydration. Dehydration begins at birth. Now, there are some things that you need to learn about the body uh, to be able to have essential components necessary to build and maintain our body, the human body. Oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen equals protein. Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, carbohydrates. Oxygen, hydrogen equals water. Air, water, protein, and carbohydrates are vital to your life. Now, when you were conceived in the womb of your mother and then you began to build build on the water that she was providing you in the womb, you were being nurtured and growing all of your organs within the water, the bag in, in the womb of your mother. Now, stop and think, the water as a bag. You were living in water. And as you began to build on the organs and the hydration and all the nutrients coming from living within that bag of water all that time, can you imagine, and follow me, the moment you were born, you entered into that air you breathe, and all of a sudden, there's no water around you. Or let's say the new techniques are bringing you to life and to water, but you're still having to come back out and live in the air you're breathing. Now, what is the air you're breathing? Is there enough moisture in the air? Moisture is humidity. We describe that as a humidity in the air, moisture that you cannot see. When you do not have enough for you personally in the air and you're not drinking enough water. Now, I'm going to say it over and over. Drinking water is vital to the millions of cells that have life in the cell, in the molecule for you to live and be healthy. So after, when you're born and you begin to live 
on this planet, in this solar system, with water in the air, moisture, humidity, and you're beginning to live your life and you're not drinking enough water and there's not enough moisture in the air, remember, your dehydration process begins to speed up. And because when you're born, there are no two eyes alike, there are no two complexions of the skin alike, no two fingerprints alike, guess what? You are having a dehydration crisis. And around the world, even as we learned recently about Yemen, in Yemen, they're having a war on water. In parts of the world, there's war on water. So remember, here in the United States and around the world, let's have a human mission and let's learn more from our classroom and the show each week. Today, we have Dwayne Cecil, who's a Ph.D. He's from Idaho Falls, Idaho. He's a senior science advisor. Uh, he's been with NASA. He's been the chief of science and applications with the global change and science programs. But we're going to discuss the, the ice on the moon. Our second guest is Tom Van Deck. He's the author of, and trainer uh, and speaker. Uh, he's out of Prescott, Arizona. Uh, he can, will be teaching us the absolute foolproof relaxation for busy people. Can we all learn that together? And that would slow down a little dehydration. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eyes that have to have moisture, water, in the surface of the eye so the eyes have a healthy eyesight. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is a pure water with just a mist. We'll listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dwayne Cecil. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? I'm here, yes. Thank you. I know you're short of time today, and we'll um, go as quickly as we can because of that. I want to thank you for joining us, and you you have a PhD. Uh, in, uh, can you describe what that a PhD is in? Uh, my PhD is in earth science with a, an emphasis on, on geochemistry and geophysics uh, mm-hmm. of the earth. Well, today we were going to discuss the ice on the moon 
and I want to know what you believe the, edu- uh, the education that could be uh, given today in this classroom uh, for people to think about what did they what how long did it take them to get to the moon to f- to discover the ice. Well, it, it's actually a pretty exciting discovery. I mean, we've had we've had some suspicion from uh, radio signals that we've gotten from different uh, sensors that we've we've had in orbit around the moon that uh, when you get radio signals back from a rough surface that it looks a certain way when it comes back from a smooth surface it looks a, a different way and a smooth surface could be ice mm-hmm. so we've had some suspicion that there might be ice at the poles on the moon for some time and then this latest uh, discovery with the lacrosse um, satellite impacting one of the poles and and sending back some spectroscopic data that confirms, in fact, that there there is ice there. It's it's quite exciting. Now, uh, in this discovery, and they're doing the different uh, uh, technical te- uh, technology uh, methods of trying to, to discover life or water or ice or whatever. I mean, is it, could there be any uh, disca- uh, technology that they noticed there was a little moisture in the air that was not normally there because the ice was uh, providing a little moisture in the air? Um, that's not really the way that that this discovery was made. Okay. Um, we don't we don't have the instruments uh, sensitive enough to to pick up the moisture in the air, the okay. poles of the moon, and it's especially difficult to make those kinds of measurements in open space. Okay. Um, but the spectroscopic data that came back confirms that that in fact there's ice there, and that presents a lot of possibilities. Of course, NASA uh, thinking of of the moon uh, being a place where we might have a, an exploration station. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a possibility that there's there's water there. It doesn't look like there's probably enough water there to s- sustain any kind of a space station, but there's certainly um, some some water has been discovered. Something that, that proving that there is a, you know, we had a Nobel Prize winner on recently who, uh, in chemistry, who um, had discovered there's life in the molecule. And it's like there's life in water, and therefore, if there's some ice there, there's something beginning that could begin become something very exciting for the future. Isn't it interesting when we think of the moon, Dwayne? We don't think of like we do with Mars and Venus and the other um, planets in the solar system. We always think of the moon all by itself, not anything to put any life on. No, that's yeah, that's a good point, and and. Um, that's one of the things that the NASA science team is is looking at. Is there any kind of uh, microbial uh, bodies in in this this uh, ice that that's at the poles? Yes. And and do you how long did it take them to get to that discovery? I mean, how many years do you could you estimate? Oh, they've been the scientists that the, the team that's working on this has has been thinking about how to make these measurements and what the possibilities may be uh, since the first time we've had uh, any kind of a, a satellite or a, a capsule circling the moon. They've been mm-hmm. thinking about places that that we could land spacecraft and and satellites and, and capsules and and where there might be water, where there might be ice. So it's been decades that we've really been decades. thinking about this. Uh-huh. Way back in time when the very first person developed a microscope to be able to look that far away. Sure. And they probably the intrigue was, oh my gosh, you know, Dwayne, I often think, you know, the very per- first person on our planet 
that looked down at water. And uh, I'm going to change the subject for a second, but they, looked, they didn't think of it called the word water. And they looked into the water and they saw something there. They didn't know it was their reflection, but they thought that it was somebody else in the water. Right. And they found that the water was so important to them that without it, there is no, they could not survive. So they really thought there was something speaking back. They didn't have a mirror to know that was really them. Uh, tell us about what you believe is the most imp- the important message, the human message for people to understand how important water is for everyone. Oh, it is. I mean, it's it, it, every place that we look um, in in our universe close to us, where we're looking for life. One of the well, the first thing we look for is water, uh, because as life forms as we know them are completely dependent. On water, so that's one of the things that that we that we're looking for, and there's a lot of speculation on how the water may have come to the moon to form this ice, and right now the the leaning is is that it may have been deposited there from uh, impacts from comets okay. that, that had ice as they traveled through space, and and but then the questions become how did this then did the ice and the water end up at the poles? So there's a lot of questions to be answered yet, and. It really a fun, isn't uh, a fun, a fun uh, research to uh, determine. You know, when you think of water as a living species, it's a life. And then you look at the life around us that we're taking so for granted. We are taking water for granted. Even though different parts of the world ha- are be- do not have enough, they're not spending money all over the world taking priority m- funding on water. No, and we've talked we've talked about this before, Sharon. I think that uh, it's it's extremely important that the United States, the the people of the United States, and the government of the United States has really started to discuss in some detail climate change and, and global warming. And I think that's extremely important. But that, to me, is not the main issue. The main I issue agree. the main issue is the population growth and our population centers being away from our our natural resources or being too close to coasts. And and the key to all of that is water. Now, you're talking about the population growth, and and, uh, this is what has happened uh, during the month of um, just uh, in December. We grew by, in the United States, with 308,248,298 people. We grew in that that month 174,102 people. Now worldwide, Dwayne, we grew by one million one billion four hundred twenty-four thousand people. Now, uh, by grew, I mean grew. Right. But in the in the world of of people living here to share the water on the planet Earth is six billion. 795,777,959. It's growing every moment of the day, and that means moisture out of the air has to be absorbed by all life on Earth, and that everything needs water to survive. And the, we cannot fight bacteria. We cannot live and survive without water. So this is why my show long ago when we decided to do a radio talk show, and my background has been studying water for three decades, and I said, you know, I'm going to call this the power of water. It's a dehydration crisis. Tell us more about what you have been learning uh, 
about what might be a difference for a human mission for people to go and learn more. Now we're learning that there might be ice there on the moon and that there's a crisis all over the globe, planet Earth. Uh, what do you think that people should be thinking about that they could be learning uh, more about to become part of a human mission to uh, bring a uh, seriousness to studying uh, water on this planet? Well, what I, what I think we really all ought to be thinking more about is that we are, in our life, lifetimes, we are stewards of the environment. And I don't think we concentrate, especially in the United States, concentrate on that enough. We really are stewards of the environment and, and all of the, the natural resources to pass on to future generations. And I think that this global warming climate change debate issue in the U.S. has helped us focus perhaps back on some of those natural resource issues and water being the main one, obviously. But it's helping us focus back on what is it that we want to, to pass to future generations. And as the population increases, and I don't think we realize it so much in the U.S., but as, as the population in, in the developing countries increases and they look to a Western lifestyle, be it Western European or, or U.S. lifestyle, or Northern, uh, Northern American lifestyle, they want to have that kind of lifestyle for themselves. And the key resource to that is water. Mm-hmm. And and as the population increases and the water resources dwindle because of, of pollution and and uh, overusage, uh, that is going to be the critical challenge in the next decades is, is how do we address population growth and how do we make fresh water available to that population growth. An example, in China, it's 1.3 billion people now. And in India, it's at 1.2 billion and as our planet grows around the planet, um, I'm looking at the air, too, Dwayne. Is each living thing, I don't care if it's the blade of grass, uh, the soil, the rock, the trees, life, animals, whatever it may be, all have to have moisture to absorb. That's correct. And as we're living on the planet to absorb that moisture in the air, we can't see, but... It's got to be there or we don't live or we become seriously contaminated and full of toxin that people, I hear I come on to a show and say, drink eight to ten glasses of water a day. What about the people who do not have any safe water to even drink? That's right. They can't have a, one glass of water a day. And, and those kinds of problems are becoming more chronic, and they're, we're going to have to, all of us are going to have to address those kinds of, of issues as the population grows and the natural resources dwindle, the nations that are developing that, that can't get to the, the water that they need will have to turn to the two areas where they can get it. And we're overstressing those areas now. Now, when you have said overstressing, that's a, a very interesting key word because they are saying there are wars in the years way back in time that were caused because of water, and there are wars going on now that are subtly because of water. Yes, that's All correct. over the world. Yep, that's correct. And, and we can look at California at what's going on with the absolute tragedy uh, that was over practically overnight, uh, where people within a short period of time didn't have water to to uh, for their ec- economy. Then you've got people uh, the in Kenya, the conservatory of animals problem in the Mara River Basin. That all they their river is depleting to the point that those largest migration of animals in the world could die, 
And they said it wouldn't take very long if, a, if something really unforeseen would happen even worse. Then we go over to Yemen, and they're finding about the problems there. You go over to our pipes and our school systems. Here in the United States, had been studied, and the, and the pipes are not healthy. So we have, a situ- we have a human mission going on with learning more about how important water is to, for all life to be able to live, just live. And it's, and it's ex- the absolute critical factor for agriculture. Agriculture. We're going to feed the world. Water is. It's not fertilizer. It's not. It's not the the uh, type of crop. It's water. It's the water. Now, what do you think about those aquifers? Now, I'm going to bring up another subject. Would you describe and define aquifer? The word. What aquifers mean below that soil? Yes, uh, aquifer is is water beneath the ground that is in the open areas between the rock and the soil, Mm -hmm. and that is the main source of water for agriculture in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's from is from underground water, and of course not, all over the world, rivers and lakes. It's it's like a, a visualize a sponge in your mind, and that sponge is is a rock unit, mm-hmm. and the open areas in between are are filled with water. Mm-hmm. Now there's another fascination for people to think about. Um, I did a television show last spring over in Florida, and those interwaterways that they had taken at one time somebody's vision. Some people's visions were to take the wetlands and, I would call it, you can correct me, recycle it into those waterways. So they have these freshwater waterways uh, all over the certain parts of Florida. Now, what is your thinking about taking the wetlands and recycling that water? Um, I think that one of the things that that has happened in the U.S. is that we've we've overdeveloped the wetlands, and the wetlands really are filtration systems for for taking uh, contaminated water and, and freshening it and, and recycling it naturally through the system. And by mm-hmm. developing those wetland areas, we've taken that that buffer away, that filtration system away. And I think if we can reestablish wetlands, and for instance, there's there's a huge effort uh, in, in terms of, of people power and, and dollars to protect the Everglades because that's the, the largest uh, wetland filtration system in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's near the coast. Uh, we really have to be careful that, that we don't have saltwater intrusion on, in, into those wetland freshwater mm-hmm. areas, and we have to be careful to not overdevelop them. But and that's the challenge as the climate changes and the sea level rises. The wetlands are normally near coastal areas, and how do we protect those? Mm-hmm. You know, something that comes to my mind, Dwayne, is also the, uh, the climate does change. It has forever. And uh, what is happening uh, with our unknown, we don't know. Uh, those of us exactly uh, what the, unfore- the foreseen may be with that. But when, when the ocean's coming higher... And fresh water is becoming scarce. That's correct, especially near the coastal areas. And, and some, and you just gave some figures on the world's population, and somewhere around 60, 65 percent of that population lives within 100 kilometers of a seacoast. Mm-hmm. And as the climate changes and the, and the polar ice caps melt and the sea level rises, the salt water will intrude into those freshwater systems, and that's where 60% now, of the Now, when you say the salt water will intrude, does that mean intrude into the aquifers below? Correct. That's, that's correct. Okay, that went out because a lot of people don't understand the seriousness of those aquifers. 
Well, you look at a place like Hawaii, which is surrounded by salt water. They have very little uh, fresh water available in the groundwater system. Uh, what they do have going for them is they get a lot of precipitation, so they're able to recharge and replenish their freshwater systems. But and lots of moisture in the air because of the precipitation. Lots of moisture in the air. Exactly. Temperatures. Exactly. But if if they didn't have that, uh, it would be a, a very difficult place to try to populate with humans because of the the salt water is is so prevalent in island nations like that. Now, one time I was reading in some research that you know ninety seven point five percent of the Earth is the uh, salt water and 2.5 is freshwater. Do you believe that's an old uh, research project? Do you think that freshwater is becoming more scarce than the 2.5? Um, I mean, just theory. Just a theory. That, that's about the correct uh, balance still. Balancing it. But, okay. um, you know, most of that 2.5 or 3%, somewhere in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. most of that is in in polar ice caps and in, in mm-hmm. glaciers and, and snow and, and groundwater. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a precious resource. There isn't that much there. And unless we can come up with some technological way to economically, in terms of energy usage, desalinate seawater. And it's, not ex- it's very expensive. It is very expensive. People could not afford it the way things are going on the planet. Um, everything is, it's like you said, uh, without the c- crops and the farmers growing their f- our food, which takes water, all the food, the prices of food is going to come off the charts. People have no idea what's going to happen with purchasing food at a price when there's not enough water to grow enough. And the price of water. The price of water. The price of water is going to be phenomenal in, in the not-too-distant future. In fact, you just mentioned something. Uh, Wall Street was mentioning recently the most valuable investment to make in the world is going to be the future. Water. Water, absolutely. Water. Well, Sharon, I I really hate to. But that's okay. To, I was going to ask you about how you're I, doing with the time you had available to us today, and uh, we did get a lot of education. And I hope I can have you on again. Oh, I'd love to to come on again, and hopefully, can have more time the next time. Well, that's I really appreciate you taking the time anyway. Thank you very okay, much. You have a, a nice day and be well. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Now, listening to uh, Dwayne Cecil, he's a PhD. Dwayne has been with NASA. He's been with the U.S. Geological Survey. Dwayne is the Chief of Science for Applications and Study and Global Science Program Changes. Now, what we need to learn here is the human mission. Our human mission is, together on this show, to look at the, the crisis. And I'm going to read something to you that I believe that is so important for us all to learn about the human crisis. If there is a dehydration happening... And I explained to you at the beginning of the show what dehydration means. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm dehydrating because I'm perspiring. I'm dehydrating because my temperature went over 98. I'm dehydrating because of whatever. But it started from the moment you were born until you pass away. When we die, it's because we dehydrated to a level that we could no longer control the water loss in your body. That's individual. No two eyes alike. Now, I'm going to say something to you before we go to our next, next guest. The moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe, you entered into a room today that's got insulated windows and walls, forced air heating and cooling, and chemistry. What is happening to each individual? No two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion alike. 
uh, no two fingerprints alike. We are, are, all of us are that unique. When you opened your eyelid, your eyes were needing moisture because you were living in moisture. The brain and the eyes connect together immediately together when they form. What is the, what are we doing to overload the brain as 80 to 90% water and the eyes are needing water and your eyes just open the eyelid and you're all of a sudden having eyesight that needs electrolytic energy of moisture, water in the air besides drinking a lot of water to be able to have healthy eyesight. We have learned that in 2030, there's an estimated figure that might happen that 35 million people might have macular degeneration. Now, we've been told that every five seconds, somebody is going blind on the earth. Now, that's not counting just the blindness and the um, what is happening to the different diseases of your eyes, the depletion to wear glasses. We're not talking about the stress and the anxieties and the things that are causing the blurriness to the eyes and the fogginess and the drowsiness and what goes on. We're talking about lack of education too. So I'm wanting you to stop and think. Drink water. It is vital to those living cells. There's life in the molecule. You need to bring back oxygen, life to those cells and circulation. Then you need to think about how do you live with your, uh, your eyes every day and your skin. To take very good care of your skin. Your skin is the, the surface of your walking earth. It's your planet. It's your orbit. So let's take serious the human mission of water. We're going to take a moment with our, uh, with our um, uh, sponsor, and we're going to have our next guest on here in a minute, Tom Van Deck. And I'm really anxious to hear how Tom is going to teach us how to slow down, Take some time, plant our feet on the floor, and think about relaxing. It is very important to slowing down dehydration. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eyes naturally with a water and just a mist. We'll be back in a moment with Tom Van Dyck. We'll listen to our sponsor. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. 
Tom, are you with us? Yeah. Hi, Sharon. How are you doing? Oh, very good. Good. I want to thank you for joining us today. You know, um, I have been studying dehydration of the body and our planet um, as a fascination forever and became the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center years ago and and understanding of what has, the air is not giving us enough moisture that we should have. But I've learned that dehydration is caused by stress. Number one, Tom. Yeah. And number one, if you cannot deal with stress and you cannot deal with your attitude and you can't deal with somebody else's attitude and outlook on life and be mellow or, let's say, objective about how they're looking at everything, we have a stress on ourselves, which causes a uh, more dehydration, water loss of the body. We can hardly keep up with it. It's like looking at the soil and seeing, oh, my gosh, that soil has a lot of stress on it because it is so, is so dry. And the skin gets drier, the eyes get drier, and the body type, water level of the body gets so depleted because we're not drinking enough water, eating the right foods, and under stress, tension. Tell us about what you've been learning. Okay. Well, one thing specifically about that, uh, I'm from Arizona, and I just watched a film last week, and it was about people getting lost in the woods and lost in the desert and then surviving in the desert once they get lost. And he said that the number one cause of death is uh, panic. Uh, You lose a lot more water that way. Can I share with you something uh, to think about, and we'll move into this? Um, I'll call it emotions. Panic. First of all, you haven't dealt with your emotions. You begin to panic. You're not, being, uh, you're not dealing with, your, with what is common sense. You all of a sudden are taken, controlled of by whatever, of lack of emotional control. It's kind of like looking at a car wreck, and I've used this for years, Tom, on dehydration and more studies, that if you see something so serious, don't panic be emotionally in control, do what you've got to do, do what you must do, and then after it's all over, let your knees fall. Uh, or you won't do anything you should do. And, you know, is that if you've been learning that with people's lives? Uh, and by the way, Tom, it isn't just the very busy people that are people that are too lazy or too much time on their hands don't know how to relax because they've got too much time on their hands. They're bored. Have you ever thought of both of those, either too busy or too bored? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this stuff works for everyone, Uh, busy people and not-so-busy people. Right. Okay, tell us how you train. Okay. Well, the world's getting much smaller, and all these cultures are learning more from each other, and that includes stress reduction and spiritual traditions. And as a result of that, uh, people are starting to discover the commonalities behind these traditions. So I take these commonalities and I break it down into anatomy. To an an anatomy. Now let's let let, let's uh, our audience follow common common cultures, common social lives around the planet. And what did you find that that meant to you, so that audience understands what you're saying? Okay. So uh, with stress reduction and spiritual traditions uh, specifically, uh, people are starting to learn that there are commonalities between all these traditions. So that, 
So I break it down into an anatomy so that you can personalize your own stress reduction program mm-hmm. and, that, and so that you can personally resonate with every aspect of the process instead of uh, going with this tradition or that tradition and then, cu- and then using the package that comes along with that. Now, when someone comes to you and you're a trainer and you're an yeah. author of how to, to do a, a lot of these different descriptions you just said to, for the relaxation for all people, do you interview them to learn what that might be? Yeah. Everyone has their own unique spirituality, even if they don't think of it in spiritual terms. Mm-hmm. So I usually now let us, let's have a little bit of fun here. Now let's mm-hmm. say you have somebody comes to you, and they're describing to you what they like, they don't like, and what their visions are, and their dreams, and their wishes, and more. Um, how do you figure out what that spirituality might be that they didn't recognize? Some of the things that might teach them how to learn to uh, enjoy uh, some of the nature to their learning how to relax, the nature to relaxing. Be, because of who they are. D- did you follow me? Yeah. Yeah. And I so, hope the audience did too. Our nature mm-hmm. to ourselves. What can we learn that becomes naturally uh, a, ta- a talent or an ability for us to learn how to do this? Not doing what somebody else has been doing, but how we as a person learn to do it. Well, everyone has uh, little actions, little things that they've done in the past that that really speak to the soul or or really uh, speak to a deep place within Mm -hmm. and uh, things that are grounding, things that are centering, things that are balancing. So usually what I teach is to make a list of those things and then interweave those things throughout the day, maybe a minute or two out of each hour, maybe five minutes out of each hour. Some of those things might be, um, you know, I'm a big believer of studying the rhythm of our Earth. I I truly believe that Earth has a rhythm that we all relate to. um, Look at what music has done in our lives since the beginning of time, whether it be the drum or or the uh, the, uh, whatever, la, 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 or whatever it may be to date. Um, so do you ask them about what is their music, what do they like in their music, what do they like books, they, they, uh, what, do they like to sleep, do they um, prefer going out on a boat, or do they want to go to the movies? Are those things that you have them list? Yeah, so for some people I really recommend uh, nature exercises and uh, coming into touch with nature because that's what does it for them. And uh, mm-hmm. for some people it might be... Uh, Books, maybe ecstatic poetry, maybe mm-hmm. even the Bible or something. Mm-hmm. And and you can bookmark your favorite passages in the books and interweave that throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or maybe you have a favorite nature spot. And if you're not at your nature spot, you can visualize it, and that can even help. Mm-hmm. Looking at the mountains. Yeah. Strength and protection, courage and wisdom, and a breath of life. Or looking at uh, a wild animal that is so free. Um, I get a kick out of watching. Uh, we have a lot of squirrels. And I call them all Fred, Tom. And they're all over. In fact, sitting here talking to you, they're out here in my trees. They could be, uh, I have a skylight in my office, and they'll go up into the trees to look down. They'll come onto the roof, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm totally relaxed. I have a canary in my, below my office that I can hear in my office with their little crick. Things that we all have to learn to do that give us that little bit of peace of mind, that connecting to the nature of our lives on earth 
and yet we still have to live in modern times. Right. So what, do you even, do, what do you do personally to relax? I do uh, a lot of chanting, and I do uh, a lot of grounding exercises. To, now, what is a, a little, grounding exercise? Anything that brings feeling into the body. Okay. So any anything, uh, it can be uh, shaking the body. It can be a self-massage. It can be uh, just uh, connecting with the earth as much mm-hmm. as you can, just mm-hmm. uh, relaxing into the into the earth. Uh, there are a lot of different things you can do for grounding exercises. And then I slip those into the day, and mm-hmm. then I slip the chanting uh, here and there throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then, now you said you do a lot of meditating. Yeah. When you teach meditation, what do you teach? I teach, well, every meditation technique has an object of focus. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing in a meditation technique is you're becoming intimately more connected with that object of focus, whatever that object of focus is. And then when thoughts come up, you just take note that you're thinking and the thoughts are naturally going to come up. And then you're just present with those thoughts and then they kind of dissipate. Now, when you say a thought, uh, Tom, and let's say we have people listening that are going through a lot of boredom or... Uh, they're going through a lot of reevaluation. Try not to be under stress and have a bad attitude or have a good attitude or can try to hit an ecosystem balancing act uh, with their lives. Let's say they had a, which word would you have come to you that you would stop and think and then try to meditate on that particular word? Oh, something that's engaging. If you're easily bored, it's nice to pick something that's engaging. Maybe not the breath, but maybe, uh, yeah, maybe a word or maybe a line of a prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that keeps your mind active, mm-hmm. and then that can become the object of focus. What would be one that you think that most people would stop and find a word? Let's just have fun with our audience. Which word do you think would be a common word? A common word. I think it's different for everyone, but I know it's something something that reminds you of peace. Peace could be good. Okay, freedom. Yeah. You know the freedom that you have in your mind is the one, one of the few fru- fr- freedoms you have left. Nobody has to know what you're thinking if you don't want them to. Right. So you can take an uh, say, I'm after the freedom of, uh, and then think and meditation is the freedom of being able to think without anybody knowing you're meditating. Uh, you could do it anywhere. Now, what do you teach um, in breathing? Do you have a, teach them how to breathe when they're meditating? Yes. Uh, like There are two ways to breathe generally when you're meditating. I mean, there's a million different breathing exercises out there, but in general, you can watch the breath and become intimately more connected to it, and then it'll just naturally deepen after a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to force it to uh, go in a particular direction. or And then there's also diaphragmatic breathing, which is nice to do throughout the day whenever you can. And that's that's when you're, uh, it's like your abdomen is filling up like a balloon. Mm-hmm. And you're breathing through the nose, and you're going to feel a little bit of a massage in your back, a little bit of, massage, of a massage in your internal now organ. Now let's uh, enjoy learning something there. I like the way you're describing that. So if a person 
decides to do a diaphragm exercise breathing. Uh, where Would they have to lay down? Could they stand up? Could they sit? What could they do? Yeah, they can do any of those things. Okay. Now, would they put their hands on the abdomen to feel how that was, what was happening? You can do that at first to test it. Okay. Like you can uh, put your four fingers together and then place Okay. Place those fingertips uh, so you a breathe couple in inches through below the, nose? The, navel, the navel. Yeah. Okay, you breathe in through the nose, and how long? What is the count to hold? Oh, just uh, just deep. Like there's uh, not necessarily a specific count. Okay, so until you cannot do it any longer. In other words, breathe in until it becomes uncomfortable, and then you let the air come. Then you let let uh, breathe out through the mouth. Right. Right. Okay. How many times do you think a person, you know, I have used this a lot, and I know a lot of people who do this a lot, breathing. You could walk through a grocery store doing it. Nobody would even know you're doing it uh, if you think you needed some extra oxygen, uh, breath, uh, some air. Um, when you're talking meditation and they're learning how to breathe, they don't even have to let anybody know they're meditating. Um, maybe you could just taking a little close your eyes. And by the way, they should learn to do this by a computer, Tom, more commonly. The computer is going to be one of the most destructing health issues to me because they're not educating how people sit at a computer, how they're looking at artificial light and the tension through the body with doing that all day for hours a day. Um, and what it's becoming also addicting. Have you ever had anybody come to you to want to learn how to relax? It's becoming addicted to using the computer. Oh, that's becoming more and more common these days. Yes, yes. And it's nice to take at least a couple minutes out and uh, uh, go back into yourself and and yeah, clean up all the garbage that comes from a lot of computer use. Right. It's uh, we the education is not coming along with probably one of the most disability problems that's going to happen in time. It's not only just the eyes, but no end of carpal tunnel and and the tension in the back and the tension in the abdomen and and they're not drinking enough water and the air that they're usually at where the computer's at is probably indoors where it forced air heating and cooling and insulated windows and well there's not enough moisture to breathe. Now, is there some of the t- little key? Uh, things that you, uh, fun little secrets that you think that people should be learning how to, re- uh, whether they're bored or they're overly busy, how to relax. Yeah, so that that interweave strategy that I was talking about creates some momentum. So there's a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of activity that you're not even aware of, and then after a while it'll creep up on you. So after a couple days or after a couple weeks you're going to find that it's so much easier to relax on the spot. Uh, You don't have to worry about warming up for meditation as much if you have a formal meditation practice. Mm -hmm. So so that's one of the keys for creating a momentum. And what about, uh, I'm going to add real quickly because when I have a couple of minutes left, is nutrition. Do you ever teach your individuals also about, of course, drinking a ton of water is vital to the life of the cells, and the oxygen and circulation, but do you ever teach them about some of the nutrition tricks, secrets? Yes. Uh, I notice when I eat vegetables on the, on the, or actually I notice when I eat not so good foods like breads and Anything white. things like that, then mm-hmm. then I go to vegetables the, mm-hmm. and greens and things like that. Kale I feel so much better immediately. Uh-huh. So, and that helps, to, that helps contribute to peace of mind also. 
Right, it does. Um, and sugar, of course, I'm going to say to the world, they're, they're doing all these things with salt and, and all these things that they're learning about whatever to get rid of and whatever to, get, to, to slow down on. But I would say sugar. I don't know about you, Tom, but I think sugar became one of the most challenging problems to dehydration that we have and everything is so carbohydrate, so full of calories, or sugar, you know, the sugar combination. We only have a minute left. Would you like to close with telling uh, our, your audience um, uh, your website and then some of the secrets that you think they should be thinking about, and they can come to your website and learn? Okay. So the website is deepermeditation.net, um, and then the whole program is the Deeper Meditation Training Course and the Deeper Meditation Audio Course. And, yeah, I think that interweave strategy is a good start. And yeah, when so they you're, can come to your website. We're out of time, but you can, they can come to your website, and there's a lot there that they can learn. Yeah. The DeeperMeditation.net. Yeah, DeeperMeditation.net without the V. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. And um, uh, if you ever decide there's another topic, let us know. Okay. You have a nice day, and you be well. Oh, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, we've learned there could be ice on the moon, and it's vital to have life without you have to have the water. Uh, You're learning that your attitude and your stress uh, is vital to everything there is to do with your outlook on life. And there is a dehydration crisis happening. uh, I'm going to say that there should be a human mission to learning more about that crisis. And the air you're breathing has to have moisture in it. If it doesn't have enough, which it is depleting every day, as that particular moisture level causes an oxygen depletion, lack of circulation, and you become drowsy easy. So learn all of your own little secrets and what you can do every day to be a healthier person and be well. Earth does have a secret. Embrace your life every moment. That'll teach you to relax and, and value who you are and the gift of you and others' gifts around you. But Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye because then you're leaving a footprint for you to gain so much while you're here to leave behind something so important for people's lives to live and be longer in your generation and in generations to come. I want to thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 